Welcome to the 10K Collective podcast for six, seven and eight figure Amazon and e-commerce sellers, a part of the amazing FBA family. If you want to scale fast, target a seven figure exit and enjoy the process, then keep listening. Today's episode is sponsored by the new e-commerce podcast, The E-Commerce Leader, co-hosted by myself, Michael Vizi, and Jason Miles, top 1% Shopify store owner and Unimi's highest rated e-commerce instructor. If you're the owner of a thriving e-commerce business, look for The E-Commerce Leader on your favorite podcast app and subscribe today. Ladles and jelly spoons, boys and girls, welcome back to the 10K Collective Podcast, the place for six, seven and eight figure Amazon sellers. Today, I'm talking to Greg Reynolds, who's the founder and the CEO of Zon Support, the customer care experts for Amazon. So Greg, welcome to the show. Thanks very much, Michael. How are you today? Yeah, and bad thanks. Yeah, busy, but productive, hopefully. How are you? Where are you coming to us in the world from today, Greg? Yeah, look, I'm I'm in Thailand at the moment because of uh, everything that's going on in the in the universe. It's, uh, I've been here now for a year, waiting while everybody sorts out what to do with COVID. So uh, it's not not a bad place to be. Yeah, there's quite a few people out in Thailand who are the, the sort of Amazon community type that I've met a few and worked with a few over the years. Actually, interesting. It's supposed to be a beautiful place. I love Thai food, so certainly somewhere I'd love to go. But I, I've, you don't sound like you're originally from Thailand. Where, where are you from originally? Where, where do you I'm, normally reside? I'm originally, uh, originally a Kiwi from New Zealand, but I cool. left about 12 or 15 years ago. Fell into Amazon uh, type businesses uh, at some stage along the way. So pretty much a, a digital nomad. Yeah, and that's like kind of all of our team, right? All native English speakers from the US, obviously from New Zealand. I'm the I'm the one exception. All work from home, which has been really good in this in this kind of kind of environment. So not a bunch of young guns sitting in a downtown office with a bit of vibe going on, smashing through tickets. We're all quite mature, I'd like to say, a bit worldly. Been on the planet for a little while. So we work at a much uh, kind of a slower pace, really trying to get that connection going with customers, you know, solve their problems and, and really position clients for, well, for earning a five-star review if we can. So it, it all comes down to that, that personal connection, I think, anyway. Excellent. So that's very interesting that we're starting to get into, you know, what makes you guys a bit different. And certainly, uh, you say, uh, this sort of vibe going through, smashing through tickets. Yeah. It's funny that actually that would feel an attractive thing initially, to actually go fast so it's interesting that you say slow is a virtue so let's let's put a pin in that and come back to that but the the first question i've got to really ask you is obviously you work on behalf of amazon sellers and i guess the first question is why wouldn't amazon seller even bother outsourcing customer service in the first place well i suppose it comes down to down to time is one of the most fundamental points if you've got a lot of messages coming through from customers things to resolve issues that are going along Next thing you know, half your day is gone dealing with customer issues versus actually trying to drive your business. And whether that's, you know, trying to improve the product that you've got, working on your PPC, you know, sourcing from suppliers, you know, what, whatever it may be. So there's so many parts, you know, happening within an Amazon business. Customer service is often kind of left at the side and it's a nuisance and people do it in a rush if they have to and then try and get away from it. So, so they miss the opportunity to get that engagement. Yeah, yeah, that's a very interesting point. And uh, I guess what you're saying is that actually customer service can be a really important opportunity. And most of us just see it as a problem, like swatting flies that are coming at us left, right and centre. So make a good point there. And uh, exactly, yeah. 
Uh, the other thing I was going to say is at what stage then should we uh, outsource customer service? I've heard different things. I know that I spoke to a very intelligent Amazon uh, sellers who mostly, to be fair, in the wholesale space, but customer service is customer service. He wanted to keep customer service for longer because of the point you're raising, that you learn a lot from it and you engage with the customers and there's good opportunity there. So at what stage should we then be looking to outsource it based on that thought as well? Well, you know, that, that's the that's the $50,000 question. You know, what comes first? Is the chicken or the egg? The, the, thing with, um, the thing with customers, all right, you don't know what you don't know until somebody tells you something that you didn't know you didn't know, right? And so what I find is that, that people believe that they're good at customer service, all right, and, and figure they don't need to pay anybody to do it because they know what to do, so they jump in themselves. But, you know, it's like the, the preparation for everything is key. And, and what I find when, when clients come to us too late, right, they've already launched and they've been up and running and now it's got busy, they've got low star reviews, they've got low star seller feedback, you know, they've got issues within the business that they've actually addressed poorly. And, and then what happens is your, your time stamped. You know, if you haven't been quick enough to, to move your, your appeal with Amazon, your, your uh, low star seller feedback, then, then you're stuck with it it's sitting there. If you've already got the low star review that says they didn't like your response or or you didn't respond or this was wrong or that was wrong, you, you can't get rid of it. You're, you're stuck with it. So so what I say to clients, but of course I'm I'm biased, is you know you you should start with us, right? Let us grow with you, and then sure down the line if you figure well this is something I can do myself, then then we're we're fine. Okay, we we want to add value to clients' business, so. If that's a long answer or a short answer, you should come with us straight away. Let us teach you and help you and learn you and grow your business and then take a view whether it's worth your time or not. Very interesting. And by the way, that, that's very, very good advice. I'm, I'm realizing more and more that what you're saying is true for any kind of business that I do, any activities really, which is to say that. For example, with DIY working out in the gym, everyone thinks, oh, I'll hire a personal trainer once I'm kind of a little bit more serious about it. But of course, if you don't know what you're doing, you're going to damage yourself in the first week in the gym because you don't know how, what mistakes you're making. So it's a very, very good point. And I would really agree with that approach. And I think it's interesting that you have the flexibility mentally of saying, start with us. And then if you want to DIY down the line, you know, go ahead. That's actually a very, very good way of doing it. Another thing that strikes me in the Amazon world is uh, setting up accounting, which definitely a lot of people DIY at the beginning. I just about had the smart smart enough to know that I was too dumb to do that. So I sat down with my accountant and set up a chart of accounts before I started trading. And thank God, because yeah, otherwise it's a real mess. So yeah, nice, in, interesting sort of meta learning from that, I think. So let's talk about customer service and why it's so important then, because you've obviously already hinted that, you know, there's opportunities in it. So what do you think are the opportunities? What is it that we're going to learn from customer service done right? Well, I think what you learn is the people's perception about your product or what they see that you don't see because, you know, you're already wrapped up in it. You believe you found the best thing since sliced bread, that this is going to work for everybody and everybody should know how to do it. And then somebody asks you a, a dumb question, right? And then then it all goes in a little bit of a spiral from there because then, then you're becoming defensive rather than accepting that somebody's got a question that they don't actually understand, it wasn't apparent on your listing, or it's a more important issue that's actually buried in your bullets, right? And it's not where customers can find it easily. So, so any question that's asked is always a, a link to say, 
you know, why wasn't that immediately apparent? And, and I'll give you a great example. Everybody these days says that images, the best thing to have is, uh, is graphic images with all the detail in the images, the size, the length, the, the everything else, right? The data and the image. I can't tell you how many people will come through customer service asking what is in the images. Now, we're told that all customers do is they look at the images and they buy off the images. Yes, they look at the hero image and they might look at the second image and, and then they're off on the, on the listing or then they're to buy. So you shouldn't assume just because you've got the information in an infographic that you shouldn't actually have it in your listing. And so it's only when you've started the journey and we say to customers, look, as soon as you get somebody who's not so happy or, or asks you a question, anything, you don't want to embrace that because you're actually learning uh, if that makes sense as you go. And, and so if I, if I back up the bus there slightly, what it means is you, you've really got to sit down and say, okay, what are all the dumb questions? What are all the things that could go wrong with this widget that people might ask about? How should I respond to them, right? What information should, should I give them? So when this information hits, when it comes in and, and you're like, what are they asking about this and that? You've already got a soundbite made, right, which is, a, is informative and encouraging. You're then going to wrap that up with an interesting introduction, something empathetic. Thanks for your question. I understand that. Then you've got the nitty grit in the middle, which says exactly how the widget's meant to go or no, you're meant to do this first or that first. And then you're, you're ending up that communication with somebody with an encouraging close and get this, encouraging them. Please make sure you come back to me you know, and, and, and let me know, does that work or is that right? Because again, people so often is, I just want to get rid of this customer because I've actually got other stuff to do. Does that make sense? It so makes sense. I can really empathize with both sides of this. I, I, first of all, I can just... You know, I get like this with the emails. I get like this with anyone if I get too overwhelmed. And I'm sure we're all guilty of that with the solopreneurs or with a small team. Or if you're scaling fast, even if you've got a big team, actually. And that's you tend to treat everything as a problem and not as an opportunity because it's a time management problem. And so, yeah, I, I totally get why we all want to dismiss this stuff and just nail it down. But absolutely, the things you're saying are fantastic. And this is, again, I've had this experience with various parts of the business, which frankly, in advance, I wasn't respectful enough of the power of it. Like, you know, product inspection, that's going to be a bit of a dull interview, but we better do it. And afterwards, I'm like, oh my goodness, that was fantastic. There's so much going on here. And you're the same with, with customer service. The stuff that we think of as a problem we just need to squash turns out to be like what you unpack it. There's a whole ton of stuff going on that if we get it wrong, will really damage our business. Like bad product products is extremely damaging. As you say, bad reviews, incredibly damaging. And if we get it right over time, we're going to really improve the business. So I love this as ever with somebody who's deep dives into an area. They just have a different mentality about it. They have different. I love this preparing for questions thing. I mean, how do we go about preparing for for the, the, the dumb questions, as you put it, and, well, and being ready for that? Okay, you think there's about 20 different scenarios that we talk about. Okay, it didn't arrive, it was the wrong product, it was a used product, it was damaged. Are we going to replace or it was damaged? Am I going to push that back to Amazon to replace? Is it a quality issue? Was it out of stock? The coupon didn't work, the, the label's wrong. You know, for goodness sake, have something really meaty there. You know, get alongside this customer, ask for the image because you really want to work out where's the label come from 
bless their cotton socks, have Amazon, well, have you sent in a mixed box and Amazon have decided they were all pink, whereas you thought they were yellow, green and grey and they put the pink label on them. So, you know, it's the wrong size. I simply didn't like it. There's so many customers who come back and, and didn't like it. But so what do you say back? What do you mean you didn't like it? Okay. Yeah. Defensive is, is like the number one thing. You're, you're so right. The funny thing about a lot of things in life, it strikes me more and more that the last person in the world who should be doing a lot of things in the world is the person who owns the business because their ego is wrapped up in it. And we can't help it. Your sense of identity is wrapped up in your business. You'd probably be the same. We're talking about your business. So I would be about consulting, right? But the funny thing is when, you, when you're neutral about something, but you care about doing a profession well, so in your case, customer service, you're actually better placed to do it because if somebody attacks the thing you spent a year and a half creating, it's really hard not to be defensive, right? And I've, we've both been, I've, I've been there anyway, and, and I've also also handled it in a better way. And, I, you know, the thing you're saying, for example, pink stuff, I literally had a product that was labelled as pink and was blue, and I'm exactly what you just described. And, and I said to them, look, I'm so, so sorry about this. Could you send us a photo? And it was really helpful to have that because I went back to Amazon with the photographic proof, and Amazon said, oh, sorry, that was our bad, and gave us, you know, sorted it out. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting how the mindset is such a big percentage of the problem, right? I mean, tell me a bit about that. If people are going to, you know, not necessarily just DIY this stuff, but work with you or DIY, what sort of mindset uh, issues do you see and what are the solutions to those? Well, everybody is defensive. Everybody's an inventor. And, and so what we find is it's better. We give customers, we give clients, who people who are coming to us, 20 different scenarios. And we say, okay, these are the things that we need to talk to you about. These are the things that we want to get in place. And, and what I find is we end up having quite a mature conversation, if I can use that expression, because the products arrive damaged, okay? So does that mean I'm going to say, well, that's Amazon's problem? Off you go back to Amazon. Well, it depends on the, the price of the product, doesn't it, in terms of, you know, how you should actually manage this. Because even if, even if it is Amazon's responsibility and the product got damaged, you've got to think about the fallout, okay? You, you say go back to Amazon. Well, I'm already unhappy because I don't, I don't care the product was damaged. I'm going to send it back. You just shot yourself in the foot because you've just asked them to send back a damaged product and Amazon, nine times out of ten, in a nanosecond, will decide, do I put that back on the shelf or do I put it back as non-fulfillable? And these, these are all, you know, team members within Amazon who are on a low hourly wage. They're not paid to open the box and double, double check inside. There is no cross-reference that if the customer says it's the wrong colour, there is no cross-reference when it's received into Amazon to see what did the customer say and what's come back. It doesn't exist, right? So, Amazon's, I suppose, their, their PR machine says everything, products come back and it's inspected and we make, it, we make a decision. It happens in a nanosecond with no terms of reference. So you're actually better in this scenario. Thank goodness they damaged the, the they, they reached out to me. You're better to replace the product, right? Say, look, I'm sorry this has happened. You know, Amazon managed our billing and deliveries, right? And, and take responsibility for this. but Okay, I know what a hassle this can be, right? Then we always ask for a, an image or a picture so I can understand more of what happened so I can send you a replacement because we still want the image because we might want to back back to Amazon. It actually might tell our client, actually, this packaging 
is not as robust as we thought, right? We're starting to get all these images of damaged packaging and maybe some of that is actually our responsibility, right? What it does then is the, the customer has some certainty. They feel the problem's already being addressed, right? You've had that first interaction. They're slightly cooler, right? Then next thing you know, some time will go by. Next thing's going to happen is you're going to get the image back. And most, most clients do this, so don't overthink it, right? Already, you know you're going to replace it anyway. You've got the image. You understand what's happened. You've had that engagement. And then you're, then you're going through the process of replacing it. Now, let me run the maths with you. Hmm. If, you're, if you're buying a product, you know, and you're selling it for 40 or 50 bucks, you, you're buying it for 50, maybe it's going to cost you $20, right, at the most landed, right, and you're selling it for 40 or 50. If I told you there's a potential of a five-star review sitting in that broken product, are you going to tell them to tip it back to Amazon? Or are you going to work with the situation, try and get make make the best out of a, the situation, right? Make them happy and send a replacement product with the upside of getting a review. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think mathematically, even for a fairly small selling product that's doing, you know, one, two hundred units a month in sales and it's averaged between twenty, fifty dollars, it's hard to mathematically do it, but because the the average rating massively affects the conversion rate massively. Like if you go from five stars to 4.5, normally goes in half, 4.5 to four, normally goes in half again. And below that, your economics of your business may be just broken for that particular product line. I mean, the economics of that product line. But yeah, I, I can't put an exact figure, but I would at least say several hundred dollars in, in most cases. So no, I'm yeah. totally with you on that. But what I like is that you've got a much more sophisticated, a lot of people are, you know, some people are, don't even see that, which is totally short-sighted. Most of us, I think, get the fact that we have to deal with this in an elegant way. But the fact is that we we get the fact that we should, and we think we're doing it well. But what you just it, it explained in terms of the relationship with the customer is just a whole bunch more sophisticated. And I guess the mindset has to be that we're basically getting free consulting for our customers, right? Because people pay me all the time, you know, several hundred bucks a, a month for consulting. And a lot of it will consist of me just criticizing what they're doing lovingly and well meant. I'm on their side, but nevertheless, I'm like, please don't buy that or please don't send that to customers or please, you know, th that that looks pretty awful, frankly. And, and you know, the customers are just doing the same job for free, right? So if we see it as free consulting, I guess that's a that's a nicer way of looking at it. We, we do. And what, and what I say to clients, you know, is I feel sorry for people who don't have any problems with their products because how on earth can you win a five-star review in, in this day and age where people are less and less likely to leave a review? How can you win a review without doing something a little bit extra apart from the product that they bought? So if they come through to you, right, with, with some sort of issue or something, you know, that, that's a high five moment. That's a moment to celebrate. I great, I've got an unhappy customer. What a great day this is. Versus I haven't heard from any customers, right? So, you know, part part of it is the mindset. And again, part of it is the time that you're prepared to put in in terms of the, the preparation, but in terms of as you're running your business. So you 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 run it most efficiently. And so if I if I go back to your first question. Should I do it now as I start or should I do it after I've been going for a while and I understand it? Maybe it's kind of more obvious now why you should have us from the start, right? And, and 
I know it's very cliche, but we say, look, we, we want to be a, we want a partnership relationship. As clients grow and they get more products and they get busier, our costs will go up as our activity goes up. As it drops, that they have supply chain issues, you know, a product gone off the boil or whatever, and they're dropping products, their ASINs, have, their SKUs, their ASINs have gone down, their activity has gone down and so is ours, then we drop back behind. So people aren't locked into, oh, God, it's always going to cost me this, right? It's a matter, a matter of that, that scale and dropping back. And, and to that point, we, we've had a client who's come to us three times. The first time he came to us with a product that did okay, right? But then it got a very crowded niche. And what happened is everybody piled into it and sales fell away. So we had that conversation, right? He, he needs to stop. He's selling out. The sales are falling away. He's got no money, okay? So that's fine. Next thing, he comes up with a patented product. It is a beautiful product. Everything is exceptional. I love the patent and what he'd done with it, right? But his packaging was so weak, the amount of damage on every single product that was shipped was just a nightmare. Three months later, he, there was no choice. He pulled what was left out of Amazon and sold it on eBay because it didn't matter what we did, people were just, they were over it, okay? So he's gone away, right? Now coming back with his third product. So I'm, I'm talking about a timeline here. We've been running, in, we've been in business since 2017, right? So, you know, this client's been with us, this is the third time, uh, over nearly two years, right? So so that's that's what we look for, and I'm trying to demonstrate you know, whenever you're outsourcing anything, and it doesn't mean if it's for us, but any outsourcing, understand what you need to outsource and follow it through. Don't abdicate, outsource it, get that relationship going. If it's not working, have the mature conversation. This isn't working for this reason or the financially or whatever. And if, if the outsource is any good, right, they'll understand and you'll part ways or you'll reduce or whatever happens. And then the door's open to go again and then all the learning they had from you the first time around they've already got and you're leveraging that as, as you're coming in with something else yeah yeah it makes sense and what's interesting is the, the i guess the mindset sort of pieces is, is becoming very very clear to me in this conversation which is this that when you're when you've got clients that basically bitch and moan as by the way i do when i buy stuff on amazon amazon set an expectation that we're going to be treated like gods as as clients as, as customers right and that's why they get the conversion rate that's why they get the traffic and the downside for us is we have to deal with that and if you're able to respond with a very very great level of maturity to that and see it as free consulting then amazingly good things happen and the other side is that when you're talking to a supplier who's maybe you know where you're struggling with you know if, whether it's a manufacturer or in this case a customer service team and you're able to be, as the business owner, mature and say, I have a problem, but let's try and solve it together. Again, the partnership mentality, I guess. Good things flow from that again. So I guess what we, what I'm saying is we have to allow for the fact that consumers are going to behave like spoiled brats and we have to act like grown-ups. And I, I, by the way, I have a very bad habit with suppliers. So I think you'd be glad not to be working with me. I've acted like a spoiled brat. And then afterwards, I kind of reflect on it and go, okay, Mike, so what would be useful from this would be for you to learn where you could communicate more clearly 
and how you select people that are more suitable for you if, if, if the problem is on their side. And I try to persuade myself to grow up. And what's your experience of that with, with dealing with customers? Uh, sorry, not customers and the Amazon end, but the clients, the business owners. Right, tell me a bit about that, those conversations. Well, as I said, everybody figures that they understand customer service and they know it. So already when, you, when you're talking to a new client who's coming on, it's often a bit of a defensive conversation. Because then what we're wanting to do is just do a bit of a deep dive into the product and, and actually understand enough what's wrong with it. What's the weaknesses, you know? What have they found out that their competitors got wrong that they think they've actually got right? And often we're sitting there thinking, well, I'm not quite sure that you actually have solved the problem. But, you know, it's a lick of paint over the top. But what's under the hood is still not a particularly robust product, right? So... That, that, if you like, starts the relationship going because what we're always trying to do is to lead into all, as I said before, the potential issues that might arise and then work out how can we try to get around those because then the theory of any outsourcer then is to look after everything and not to keep going back to the client and asking them other questions. But, but that's kind of our difference because if we're not sure, and I mean if we're not 100% certain, we just email back to the client. Say, look, this is the question. This is what we think. We're we're not sure. Can you really? Can you confirm this? Or have you got a better soundbite or better language that we can use? Right. Then when we get that, we'll drop that into the client's knowledge base. So we picked up that nugget for that particular question. Right. And so yeah. so that, if you like, is is kind of the journey that goes on. So. The first little while, there can be quite a bit of to and fro. And from then on, you know, we, we've got clients we wouldn't really speak to about anything on a, on a monthly basis, except for their, uh, except for their uh, monthly report, hmm. if, if they even read it. Okay. Yeah, frankly, yeah. Oh, yeah, that one I know, having done some work for, for clients myself. Uh, I guess what you're saying again is that, yeah, as you say, delegate, don't abdicate, that, that, that simple phrase. It, I guess you're saying that the... So the fact that you guys are experts doesn't mean that the uh, business owner doesn't have a responsibility. And in fact, they need to be very mature by the sound of it, because you guys are being mature on their behalf with the customers. When the customers say that the, you know, the end consumers, that the product is rubbish or broken or damaged, or they just hate the color or it's the wrong label, that you respond in a mature way. And I guess that the client, nevertheless, you know, the, the Amazon business owner and operator has to have the maturity, have difficult conversations with somebody about their products not being perfect and I guess it's yeah. with you, right? <laughs> so it does sound like it's very interesting how, again, this is what happens when you speak to an expert. Hey there, folks. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the 10K Collective Podcast, the place for six, seven, and eight-figure Amazon sellers and indeed those who are e-commerce sellers more broadly and have an Amazon focus. So I think there's a lot of bigger picture lessons to be taken today from what I was expected to be a fairly mechanical talk about the mechanics of how to outsource customer service for Amazon. Turns out, first of all, it's not just for Amazon. I think a lot of the stuff we've discussed today would apply to anyone uh, in any industry, but certainly in e-commerce. The importance of uh, customer service, the learning that you can get from it, the ability to turn somebody from from a sort of a hater to a massive fan. And I've certainly experienced that myself with my less sophisticated efforts at customer service than Greg and his team. Interesting thing, customer service is a learning tool. That's, that's really something that... I've known about, but I think Greg takes that to the next level. And really the importance of preparation. What dumb questions will people ask about this widget? What info do we need to have that ready? 
and being ready for, for that when it happens. And the fact that actually, weirdly enough, as the product creator or the business owner, you're almost the last person that's going to be able to be objective and you're going to get defensive. I, I can certainly attest to that. There is something deeply offensive about somebody who's, after all, kind of, how can I put it, an amateur consumer of products talking to you who's put your money and effort and on the line and really worked incredibly hard at least it feels like that to all of us right we all feel we've worked incredibly hard to create a wonderful product that is is fantastic and then bring it to them at great expense the, the truth is it may not be as fantastic as we think it is and even if it is what matters is the opinion of the consumers because they're the ones that pay us right so yeah that that mindset thing and the value of a five-star review so those are some of the things i've taken really one of the bigger picture lessons from it i'd like to say also is not even just specific to e-commerce but it's the fact of hiring an expert early in the process and that's something that i've been wise enough to to know when i'm dumb sometimes like i, I hired a, a professional accountant who is also somebody who consults with small business owners to set up my accounts early on when I first set up my Amazon business. And I'm very glad I did. That was an upfront expense, but it meant that all the rest of my accounting afterwards, that was easier and more structured. And I think this feels actually very similar. A lot of us think that we can get away with customer service because it must be obvious and straightforward. And obviously we don't know what we don't know when we start out. And, and the more I do this game, and work with clients in this game, the game, if you like, of e-commerce and particularly selling on Amazon, but more broadly, the more I really reach for experts much earlier than I used to now. And that these days I say to people, instead of trying to give my amateurs understanding of, of accounting, much as I can give some big picture and I can put it into a context and and that's a strategic level coaching, I guess, that you do need somebody who's not just an accountant or not just a lawyer or not just a customer service expert. And I hope that I bring that to my clients and I attempt to, but nevertheless, these days, I'll say to somebody much earlier than I used to, just go talk to a lawyer, you know, go talk to an accountant. And in this case, customer service turns out there's a lot more professional skill involved that than even I would have given it credit for. And I should know enough by now, but there's you don't know what you don't know. And I think there's uh, just a lot going on with this. And if nothing else, I think it's always worth learning from an expert and the best way to learn from an expert is to work with them for a period i guess the final thought on that is it depends on how quickly you want to get to profit obviously profit is critical without profit your business doesn't have a value without profit you cannot live on it or give up the day job without it you cannot sell your business eventually but i would say that if you're willing to give up that profit for a little bit longer or, or to put it off uh, or to lower the profit rather for that little bit longer when you're first starting out to, to create a solid professional business that has proper structures in it. And today we're talking about the structures in customer service. It strikes me that you're going to have a more robust, scalable business. Everyone's going to make the decision in the end, whether they DIY stuff and doing it yourself, certainly you're going to be way better informed after today's discussion with Greg, I hope, or whether you want to work with Greg and his team. If you do want to work with Greg and his team, obviously these guys seriously know their business. It's so super clear from the conversation. And I know from off-air conversations with Greg that he's been around, he's seen everything, got the t-shirt, just knows his business, just cold. He's a bright man, as you can tell. So if you want to work with them, just go to amazingfba.com forward slash Zon support, Z-O-N support. And the deal for the listeners is basically you'll get a, a bit of a reduction um, in the fee. Frankly, you could go and use them without the introduction for me. But what I would say is this, if you, you, 
just bear in mind a couple of things. First of all, an affiliate type deal, which is what I have with Zon Support. They, they give me a bit of money back if, if you end up going to them through me. First of all, it doesn't cost you a penny. It's always the merchant, as in the person selling the service, who pays the affiliate. In this case, that would be me, just so you know about that. So it's never going to cost you more money. But here's the upside for you. If you go via somebody like myself who runs a podcast and can reach a wide audience, there's always going to be an extra reason why they need to treat you well because they don't want the word to get back to me that they've been treated badly because they will not be invited back on the show. And in fact, I kind of blacklist them and tell everyone not to use them. And I have done that with people before now. I have no thoughts that Greg's going to be anything other than 100% professional, of course. But the point I'm making is that going through uh, an affiliate link such as we offer should actually get you better service because they have more at stake than if you just come out of the ether and they've never heard of you. Um, not like Amazing FBA and 10K Collective are such powerful podcasts, but we're a useful channel for these guys. So just bear in mind, if you're going to bother um, going through links, you might as well use our affiliate links as kind of insurance for you, if you like, against uh, a mediocre customer service experience. But that said, in Greg's case particular, I think they're so professional and on it, you're going to have a good experience. They're not going to be the cheapest guys out there. And I think that's missing the point. The return on investment from the insights you get from customer service and the protection of your brand against one-star reviews and, and your Never mind just your brand, but your products concretely, the conversion rates protection, if you will, is really, really worth having. So I hope you found that as revelatory as I did. There's just a ton more going on with customer service than I'd given it credit for and clearly worth getting expert at. And if you are not yet expert yourself, hiring an expert and, and learning from going through that process, if nothing else, I think it's hugely worthwhile. I particularly appeal to the established Amazon sellers who think you know what you're doing go and work with an expert and then you'll find out whether you really do. Anyway, thanks for listening. Uh, next episode, we're going to continue with this uh, discussion with Greg. But meanwhile, if you like what you're hearing, don't forget to give us the love. Give us a one, two, three, four, or even five star uh, rating on Apple Podcasts if you're on Apple. And a review would be lovely, but a star rating super quick for you. And then don't forget to subscribe to the show if you're not already on whichever podcast player you're on. Thanks for listening. Speak to you in the next show. Thanks so much for listening to the 10K Collective Podcast, part of the family of amazing FBA podcasts. Today's episode is sponsored by the new e-commerce podcast, The E-Commerce Leader. The podcast is hosted by yours truly and Jason Miles, multi-million dollar Shopify owner and Unimi's highest rated e-commerce instructor. If you're the owner of a thriving online business and you want to become the best e-commerce leader you can be, it's got your name on it. For free guides and mini courses on many topics, go to www.theecommerceleader.com.